Hi, Serena. How are you? I'm great, Brandon. How are you? Great. Great to have you on the podcast, finally. Um, for those who don't know about Serena, she is a carnivore coach that personally struggled with disorder eating for most of her life. And she has finally found food freedom, which is you know, what she now helps people find as a coach. And I do something very similar as well. Um, I wanted to hear a lot about your story, sort of how you came to this way of eating. It's always the first question I ask people is what kind of drove you to be carnivore? Um, what have you dealt with in the past? What have you experimented with? And why did this work for you? Well, I actually was carnivore for about eight months, maybe five years ago, but I didn't know that's what it was. My doctor put me on a low carb diet and being an all or nothing kind of person, I thought, well, if 50 grams of carbs is good, zero carbs must be better. And I didn't eat any fruits, any vegetables, nothing. I mean, he wanted me to eat some leafy greens and some vegetables here and there and some, you know, lower sugar fruits like berries, but I didn't eat any of those things because I thought that zero carb was better, but I never did any research into it that far. I wish I had, because I probably would have stuck with it, but of course I didn't. I went back to lots of juicing, lots of fruits and vegetables because that's what's healthy. And so I was eating lots of those things and very lean meats. I was following kind of a Weight Watchers approach when I decided to come to carnivore, but I have a weird post COVID issue where things taste and smell rotten. So that was my first issue in December of 2020. And I couldn't really taste and smell things for about three months. And then in March of 2021, I woke up one day and the coffee, the smell of coffee smelled like a rotten skunk. I mean, it was just the most disgusting smell I've ever smelled. And it just got progressively worse over the next couple of weeks. And in May, um, for my birthday. Well, May is my birthday, but even, even before that, I realized that the only things that really tasted and smelled good were sweet. So I was eating lots of sweet things. And two of my daughters have a gluten-free baking business and they make things and sell them at the farmer's market. And I was eating all of their leftovers because it was the only thing that satisfied me. It was the only thing that didn't have that rotten skunk smell and taste. So I was eating lots of that stuff. And on my birthday, they offered to make me cupcakes. And I was like, double the batch. And I ate 20 cupcakes in 36 hours. Mm -hmm. And so that was on a Saturday and Sunday. And I woke up Monday morning and said, okay, that's it. So I can't eat fruits and vegetables because they taste and smell rotten. I'm going to give up carbohydrates and sugar because it's killing me. I was gaining weight. I was miserable. I felt like a walking zombie from all the sugar and carbs. I was just miserable. And so I woke up Monday morning and said, that's it. So there were only like two meats I could eat. I could eat a fresh hamburger off the grill, but I couldn't like refrigerate it and then reheat it the next day. Same thing with a steak. There were certain cuts I could eat, but again, I couldn't refrigerate it. So I had to make everything fresh. It had to be grilled. It couldn't be cooked inside because the smell would make me sick. I mean, it was, it took, a, it took, it took a while for me to get past that part. Um, Cause I had already been dealing with this for like two and a half months at the time. And so it took me a little while to kind of get past it to the point where I was comfortable with what I was eating because it was so nerve wracking at first, because I would make something and then not be able to eat it. And it always caught me off guard. It was like, I would think this is going to be okay and that it wouldn't be okay, but I was just eating meats at that point. And so that was in May of 2021. And so I just started doing research that day when I, when I decided I wasn't going to eat those things anymore, I started doing research and that's how I found Kelly Hogan and Michaela Peterson. And of course the Joe Rogan podcast with Sean Baker on it. That's how almost everybody converts is watching that podcast, I think. Um, but it has helped me in many ways. And, um, so that's how I got started. And I just kind of went cold Turkey that day and I haven't looked back since. Wow. And now a question for you as, as when we first met, you were talking about your weight loss plateau and, um, and how long have you been carnivore now? I've been carnivore for 18 months, 18 over 18 months. months, almost 19 months. And you have had some plateaus throughout your journey and how much, how much weight have you lost overall? Um, well, I actually gained 18 pounds in the first eight months because I wasn't eating enough and I was fasting too much because once yeah. again, if we're fasting gonna, for 24 hours. Yeah. If fasting for 24 hours is good, fasting for 48 hours must be better. And so I was, I was only eating my like four meals a week and it did not yeah. work for me. Um, yeah. so I gained, and then I plateaued for about four months. I raised my calories up to like a maintenance level so that I could heal my metabolism, uh, which was very difficult, um, to do, to eat that much more. It doesn't sound like it would be hard, but it's very difficult to wrap your mind around that. So for four months, I just ate a lot more and didn't gain weight. I stayed the same. And then in the next six months, I lost 35 pounds. That's very similar to what happened to me. Um, and you were also coming off of a period of um, almost caloric restriction with the juicing um, and the yeah. salads you told me. I did something very similar. I followed a bodybuilding diet. I was eating 18 to 1900 calories a day. 
coming into carnivore, the first few months I gained 20 pounds. So super similar to what you did. Cause once you just get a taste of those fats, you like can't stop. Uh, and once you start looking at people piling on butter on their food and topping it with butter, you just go crazy. And you know, your body isn't at the point yet where it's switched from burning carbohydrates to being fully fat adapted. So you're going to store if you have leftover carbohydrates in your body, if you're not fat adapted and you, your body doesn't know it's going right into carnivore right away. If you just go cold Turkey and coming from restriction, you're going to gain a lot of weight for most people. Uh, and if you pile on the fats, you're going to gain a lot of weight. Carnivore is a diet for healing. It's not necessarily a diet for weight loss. Weight loss is honestly a symptom of good health being at a proper weight. Um, but I want to talk the first question and the topic I have for you is really how to break through those weight loss plateaus. How did you break through it personally? What are some experiences with clients that had a plateau? You're in an interesting situation because you had to raise your calories. Uh, tell me about that. Yeah. So in the beginning, what you were just talking about, a lot of people gain in the beginning for the reason that you said I gained because I came from such a restriction that I kept restricting and my body just kept whole. I think I was restricting more probably when I became a carnivore because it, it's so easy to feel full a lot sooner and stay full longer. So you just don't realize that you haven't eaten. And I was intentionally fasting the every other day, but dinner would roll around on my eating day. And I would say, well, I'll just roll this into my next fast. Like, cause I just thought longer was better, but my body did not like that. So I did have to raise my calories. I had to reset my metabolism. I, I did it for a full four months, which is really hard for somebody who has always been on a diet. I mean, I have been on a diet since I was 12 and I will be 50 in May. So I was always on a diet. My whole life I was on a diet. So that's really hard to eat at maintenance or above for a full four months. I mean, it tasted good and it was fun, but it was really difficult for me mentally to wrap my mind around that. But eventually what I did was I was able to lower my calories just a little bit once I knew what being full really felt like, because that was something I didn't know. I didn't know what being full felt like. And I didn't know what being hungry really felt like. Cause I think inside I was always hungry, you know? And even once I started carnivore, even though I felt full sooner and stayed full longer, it was, um, it was not real satiety. You know, my body was still wanting more, but I just didn't recognize the cues that went along with that. So my body wanted more and I just wasn't giving it. That's what happened. But, so I, yeah, that's what happens after years and years of someone like nutritionist, uh, in an office telling you to stop when you're about 80% full. Um, I feel that all the time in the gym where I work at clients are like, you don't have to eat till you're full. Um, you can stop when you're 80% full and you did that. And I've seen other people do this over years and years and years and your body's actually craving more food, but you cut yourself off and your brain cut, by the way, human beings, our prefrontal cortex, we're the only people, we're the only species that's able to do that. Other animals in nature don't do that. It's not possible. Um, but yeah, yeah, continue. Yeah. And they don't ever, other animals don't go on diets. They don't, you know, they don't know what that's like. Yeah. And and most of them aren't overweight except for cows, which are, you know, fed grains and, you know, the things that are at the top of our food pyramid that are making us sick is what we're feeding to the cows. And we can tell by looking at the cow that they're getting bigger and that they're getting fatter. We're fattening them up before, you know, before it's time. And, um, that's, that's a, you know, the, I said top, but it's actually the bottom of our food pyramid. It's the thing they want us to eat the most of, and we don't seem to get our cues from, you know, watching a cow graze all day, but anyway, that's, that's a whole nother topic. But, um, so then what happened was, uh, after the four months of eating more, I was able to restrict a little bit. And at that point I was more able to know what being hungry and full felt like, cause I had given myself that time. But even now, even after, you know, another almost seven months, I still sometimes at the end of the week think, what have I eaten today or yesterday? And I go back and I look and I was, and I way under eat for a couple of days. If I'm not paying attention to what I eat, it's still very easy for me to get to the end of the week and realize that I'm only eating 11 or 1200 calories. And that is not where I want to be. That is not where I feel my best. That is not where I'm happy. That is not where my body is happy. So, and most of, most of my clients, when they first come to me are under eating, most of them are women. And almost every time they tell me they think they're overeating. And when we sit down and look at their food, we find out that they are under eating and that's why they're not losing weight. And that's why they don't feel good. Yeah. Yeah. I see that all the time as well. Uh, And I've seen men do it as well, even though uh, a lot of men just tend to eat as much as they want uh, in carnivore. I've definitely seen women need a lot more help than men with this way of eating, because it just seems that in general, women have are held to this kind of standard in society that they should diet year round. Um, and men aren't really held to the same standard most of the time. 
Yeah. Um, a similar question. You deal with a lot of women clients. And, you know, this way of eating, in my opinion, is the best way if you're working out. If you are in the gym looking to build lean muscle, looking to get toned, as a lot of people like to say, this is the best diet to follow. This isn't, you're getting an adequate amount, more than an adequate amount of animal protein. You're getting plenty of energy through the fats. Your body's using the fats efficiently and they're not crashing. So you always have energy during your workout. But often a question that I get asked and you probably get asked is with this way of eating, if women lift weights, will they get bulky? Will they get bulky? What are your thoughts on, on that? No, I don't think so. I think from what I have seen and what I have heard, you just get lean. I mean, it just, your body is burning your own fat. If you were to notice you were getting bulky, you would just, you know, lay off a little bit and not do as much, but I haven't seen anybody who ends up being bulky from this way of eating. You have to really, a woman especially has to really, really try to get bulky, just lifting weights four or five times a week and following a program, even if they're heavy weights is not going to make you bulky. You have to have like a serious weightlifting um, program as a woman to get bulky like that yeah. and look like a bodybuilder. I mean, it's not going to just happen to a, a lady. On carnivore, do you agree with me that uh, if somebody were to get bulky, overdoing the dairy would be the easiest way to do it? Um, yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, I'm conflicted about dairy because I think it bothers some people and it doesn't bother others. And, you know, I think that's normal. I think it's like that with everything. Some things bother some people and, you know, don't bother other people. Um, but I, yeah, I think that's possible. I think dairy is by far the easiest way for someone to gain weight and put on weight. Um, although you also have to look at genetics, uh, genetically men have an excess of, should have an excess of testosterone, uh, letting Mm -hmm. us put on muscle a lot easier than women. It's going to take you a long time in any sort of dietary program to get to that bulky point. And like you said, it'll, it would have to be on purpose. You'd one, you'd know if you had the genetics right away, right off the bat, if you come out the womb and you know, you look like a superhero as a woman. Yeah. You could probably get bulky. It's a really, really big chance. Um, but most women don't, and most women are so afraid. Um, but lifting intensely, like you said, really, really good way to get lean, especially in a carnivore yes. way of eating, especially when I like to say dairy in small amounts. If you're someone who lo- who's looking to get lean, um, being that just dairy is made to help us gain weight, um, mm-hmm. and meat, eggs, and fats until you're full, uh, will get you absolutely toned. Um, yeah. so I, I definitely agree with, even as a personal trainer, I've had no clients that got super bulky. I've had no clients whose goal it was to get super bulky. Uh, as a right. woman, as a woman, as a man, it's a different story. As a man, you could definitely yeah. get big, big on this way of eating. You can look at guys like Sean Baker, who have been doing this for years and years and years. He's a big guy, very big guy, mm-hmm. lifts with intensity a lot of the time. And then you have yeah. a guy who's a little bit leaner, um, who doesn't lift with as much intensity, and he kind of leans out and he still has muscle. Mm-hmm. You will develop muscle on this diet right. without mm-hmm. working out. Without working out, you will develop yeah. lean muscle, whether you want it or not, because humans yeah. should look relatively lean. Not at the body fat that I was at restricting myself, but naturally everyone has a genetic set point and that genetic set point should be fairly lean. For men, it's around, I would say 15%. For women, maybe 25, 28% body fat percentage to to hit your genetic set point. And you don't have to worry about getting there. You don't have to worry if that's your goal. Um, If you want to get even leaner than that, I, I have videos where I talk about more methods to get even leaner. Uh, it definitely involves zero dairy. Um, not that dairy will get you fat, but that a lot of pasteurized dairy I find is really easy to overeat. Uh, I I find that with 99% of people, like I can sit down, I can eat a whole block of pasteurized cheese in one sitting, no problem. If I try to do the same with raw cheese, I'm pretty stuffed after I have to sit. Um, my theory is that raw cheese has so many more nutrients that aren't taken out in the pasteurization process, that it's very nutrient dense mm-hmm. and it fills your brain yeah. up, fills your mind. Mm-hmm. And pasteurized dairy is heated and often a lot of the fat soluble vitamins and nutrition is taken out of it. And with that, mm-hmm. it becomes almost a nutrient void block of cheese and it's yeah. nutrient void, like a potato chip. It's true. Ice yeah, cream. It's true. Obviously there's some more nutrition than a potato chip or ice cream, but it's still right. yeah. not as nutrient dense. So those are my, yeah. those are my thoughts about dairy. Do you, do you do dairy and how much do you do and do you do it often? Um, there have been times where I don't eat dairy for a period of time, whether it be a week or a month. I've done the lion diet multiple times in the last almost 19 months. And I have found that dairy does cause some inflammation. 
but not terrible for me. Last summer at one point, not this past summer, the one before, I had been carnivore for maybe two or three months and woke up with terrible hip pain and it lasted for months. I mean, like I was limping, I was like standing up and at like my kids' basketball games, I would like stand up off the bleachers and like have to straighten up real slow because my hip hurt so bad. And the first couple of steps I would be limping and then it would go away or it wouldn't hurt as bad, but it was like a constant persistent pain on my right hip. And I gave up dairy for about a month and it was mostly gone. And then came like a uh, Super Bowl Sunday and I made like a low carb carnivore cheesecake and something else that had cheese in it and ate that. And the next day I could barely walk again. So I gave it up for another few weeks. And then I was able to have a piece of cheese or a little bit of heavy whipping cream and not have it make a difference. And so since then, if I eat a burger, I always put a little bit of cheese on it, but I go for multiple days sometimes where I don't eat any dairy except butter. Um, and butter doesn't seem to cause an issue for me. So I just try not to like, at one point I was eating cheese on cheese on cheese. Like I was eating, you know, cheese crackers and cheese dip, you know, and taking a bite of cheese afterwards. I mean, I was eating lots of cheese. And so now I don't do that anymore. I don't feel the need to, I think I kind of got that out of my system. I think I had been restricting for so long. I wanted the cheese, um, but I do think you have to pay attention. I think carnivore is the ultimate elimination diet. I think you should eliminate you know, almost everything, you should be a strict carnivore for the first 30 or 60 days, have a little bit of dairy here and there, but then you get really in tune to your body and you can really tell if something impacts you the way cheese impacted me that time with my hip. I think once you kind of get in tune with your body, you can absolutely see when things affect you negatively and then you can do what you need to do. I was able to eliminate cheese for a while and then add it back in. And now I don't have as much of a problem with it. Got it. Have you ever tried the raw dairy only approach like I do? Have you have you ever had a cycle of your adding dairy where it was only raw? Um, I haven't because it's not available here oh, in the state man. of Virginia, but I know that I could order it online. I just haven't wanted to badly enough. Now, we spend some time in Maine in the summer and I have gotten some raw dairy there and it's delicious and I usually bring some home with us, but I haven't specifically done any period of time. But now I don't notice that dairy even impacts me at all. So I don't know if I would notice a difference if I did just raw. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's, it's so interesting. I wish I would have would have known. I wish you could have done some sort of experiment because um, I have definitely have issues with pasteurized dairy and I feel really like lazy. I feel really like uh, slouchy, just just like yeah. totally out, out of uh, out of mind. And I'll, I'll feel sluggish, like, definitely sluggish, definitely uh yeah. Yeah, definitely a little sluggish uh, after I have some some pasteurized dairy. And that's something I was doing when I was starting carnivore. Uh, mm. And raw dairy makes me feel really good. I still can eat a lot of it, though. So I limit mm. it um, yeah. as, as I'm trying to stay lean. Um, yeah. Speaking of, is there a limit to the amount of protein you can have on a carnivore diet? You and I both coach keto ways of eating. Um, and I'm a big fan of a ketogenic way of eating. Of course, carnivore technically is keto. Um, not all keto is carnivore though. Okay. But a lot of people say that too much protein will actually kick you out of ketosis. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I do think that that's possible. I test my glucose and uh, my ketones uh, a few times a week. I've recently run out of glucose um, strips and I'm waiting for more. But I do test mine. And what I have found is that when I eat things like chicken, chicken wings are my thing. Like anybody yeah. who knows me knows I got a thing for chicken wings and it's one of my favorite things ever. And I think it's cause I restricted myself for so many years cause they were bad for me. And so I didn't eat them for so long and now I just love them and I eat them like almost every chance I get. I did have to kind of cut them out for a while though, because I was, I definitely noticed that if I eat too much chicken, even if I add fat to it, even if I make sure I'm still getting enough butter, my glucose goes up and my ketones come down. It's really interesting. That doesn't happen to me with steak though or at least it's not as noticeable if it does. And I can definitely tell a couple of days of just eating like eggs and then some, like eggs for breakfast and then some chicken wings. I definitely tell a huge difference versus when I eat lots of red meat instead. So I do think there is something to be said. I, I do think that you can eat a little bit too much protein, but everybody's different. I, uh, for the last several months, have gone for like a higher fat approach. And I've had a really good experience with that and really good luck with that. Not everybody does. I think at some point, I think you reset your body like, if you just do carnivore, don't count anything, don't do anything for 60 days, just eat meat, eggs, some dairy, and lots of fat and see how you feel at the end of 60 days. And then you can tweak it if you want to. And you can decide, well, I'm going to try higher fat or higher protein. You can try to tweak it at that point. But I think in the beginning, everybody should just eat the animal products and not worry about anything and let your body adjust. 
and then you can worry about those things. Yeah, I def definitely agree with you 100%. Okay, so then how do you know if moderation works for you? This is a question I get asked a lot um, about people that are people that can do moderation and people that are just abstainers. Um, for me, moderation was not really much of an option as somebody who is a binge eater um, and for somebody who developed binge eating disorders for most of my life, um, that's how I got really big, is if you have a sugar addiction, I don't know if portion size or counting calories or just slowly, slowly starving yourself with caloric restriction is the way for you. Um, how do you know if, if if moderation or just abstinence works best? Well, I didn't know in the beginning, and it was probably six or yeah, six or seven months in to being a carnivore that I realized that I was better and I wasn't doing those things anymore, that I wasn't binging on things. So I think you just have to sit down. Like you can you can tell if you really sit down and think about it and search within yourself and picture your eating patterns, you can tell if you're a binger or not. And if you're a binger, abstinence is the only way. You can't. You really can't. When Lay says you can't have just one, they mean it. Like there's a thing called the bliss point and they have put lots, they have food creators. They have put lots and lots of time, money, and energy into creating a product that you can't eat just one of. And they do that on purpose and you should feel cheated and you should feel robbed of your ability to be able to make those decisions on your own. You, you like those companies should not be allowed to do that, but they have special people that come in They're that are food creators and they have just the right amount of either carbohydrate, carbohydrates or sugar and fat and salt to make you want more and more and more of their product and to keep you addicted to it. And it's yeah. really unfair because I'm not saying it's not your fault. I mean, it's kind of our fault because we're still in charge of what we put in our mouth, but it's not entirely your fault and it's time to do something about it. And it's time to change it. Now that you know that you can't eat just one, the only answer is to not have any. And that's what helped me. And that's what got me to a place where I was comfortable and had that food freedom. Totally agree. I think it is a mix. I think it is a mix of your fault for um, not doing your own research and understanding that these things like bliss points do exist. And there are people that pay other people to make your food addicting. And it's their job to go into work and create that bliss point. Just like you said, you couldn't yeah. have said it any better. Um, and then it's also their fault. It's also their fault because yeah. if you go into a supermarket and you walk in the middle aisle, that's it. You're done. You're yeah, eating right. processed sugar, grains, or seed oils. There's no way around it. 99.9% .9 of the middle aisle products have it. Uh, that's why if you notice in my Instagram and my grocery store videos, I'm almost always on the outside. Like I rarely, that's ever, right. I rarely mm -hmm. ever go in the middle unless to tell that a product is not so good or just yeah. you know, not beneficial for your physical or mental health or, or yeah. both. So mm -hmm. big tip that I give is try and shop in the outside aisle. That's where the meat, the fish, uh, the fats are. Yep. Um, some produce for those who like to do some produce. I personally do small amounts of low sugar fruit. Uh, now I'm transitioning back again to pure carnivore just to experiment around with it and see how I feel. Mm -hmm. But still, even if you do small low sugar fruit, it's going to be on the outside aisle. Um, yeah. These are clearly the healthiest aisles. Clearly all the whole food is based here and all the packaged and processed food um, which has led to such a horrible obesity epidemic and a major, a vast majority of, of us are binge eaters without us realizing it and addicts without us realizing it, realizing it. I was talking to um, Coach Bronson on the in one of my other podcasts. Uh, do you know who that is? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I interviewed yeah. him recently. Yeah, we were talking and I asked him, I'm like, what percent of people in America do you think are addicted to sugar? And he said 99.9% uh, are addicted to sugar. Uh, and addiction to sugar can come in a lot of forms. It can be a pasta addiction. It can be someone who orders pizza every night. It can be mm -hmm. That's who right. eats fast food all the time. Uh, and they don't even have to get the soda with it. It's still That's addicted right. to the carbohydrates. Yeah. Um, That's right. Just like Lay's potato chips. You know, you might not mm -hmm. think of them as sugar, but that's what it breaks down that, your body. That's at. what it is, yeah. And mm -hmm. that's what goes to your brain. That's what your brain gets that's to. Right. And so I got really, really heavy and I wasn't necessarily a sweets guy. I was definitely a savory guy though. And you can't get yeah. that heavy without an addiction to sugar. That's right. Um, mm -hmm. I so agree. What, what are some steps uh, that kind of get people past that addiction to sugar? I know you said absence totally. Um, so would you recommend when somebody starts carnivore diet to eat until they're full? Um, I think the, the main most important thing is you have to be resolved. You have to want this. You have to remember your why's. You have to want it more than you've ever wanted anything. And that's what happened to me. I was at 
a low point, you know, like drug addicts and alcoholics, they have to hit rock bottom. It's the same way with food. It's the same thing. You have to look at the food and say, this is not food. You have to look at the food you're eating right now. And you have to know this is not really food. Food is to nourish your body. And when you go on vacation, you're not doing yourself any favors by going off of a good, decent plan and gorging on foods that aren't good for you because you're just going to feel miserable when you get back. And it's like, you know, we've lost our way. Food used to be just for nourishment and now it's for fun and pleasure. And I think that that's the first thing you have to look at. You have to look at all those foods from the middle sections of the grocery store and say, that's not food. And the truth is it's not, that is not food. Your body doesn't know what to do with all of that garbage. And so that's why we have so many problems. So I think um, abstinence, and I think you really, like I said, you have to be resolved and you have to just not eat any of those things. And that's how you get started. And then you have to just be really firm about it. And you have to figure out how to not, how to not engage in that. Because if you do, you know, it's going to turn into a week or two weeks or a month and you're just not going to feel good. And if I can do it, you can do it. If I can go off all of those foods and fix all of the issues that I had, I didn't have like any autoimmune issues or anything. Most of my stuff was here and I'm different here now. It changed my brain. It changed the way my brain works. And I just feel better. I feel like a different person all around. And that just makes me, it just makes me feel better. It, I feel better. I act better. I do better. And, and I think everybody else can do that also. Yep. If you look in nature, um, there are no grocery stores for, you know, lions or tigers. They is right. or deer. They're just not out there. Yeah. These, these uh-huh. animals, if you, right. study them, if you study our tribes, our, our tribes didn't have grocery stores. So how did they eventually lead to us? That's right. yeah. You know, they ate mm-hmm. actual food. And if you gave any of these native tribes, if you gave any of these animals this processed food or this processed junk or whatever you want to call it, because you're right, it's not food. It's not what food. Happens, what happens to them? They get sick. They get diabetes. They get heart disease. That's right. um, they mm-hmm. get colds. They and there get- are studies like that. There are studies where they where they give sugar to animals, you know, to see what will happen. And you're right. They get, they become diabetic. Very, very clear. Yeah, exactly. Have you uh, heard of dogs that get cancer in the wild or cats, outdoor cats that get cancer in the wild? No, they, they don't exist. Just like our ancestors didn't either. Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't get colon cancer from me. That's BS. They didn't get, you know, That's right. they didn't get horrible sunburns. Um, what are you actually putting in your body that's leading to that stuff? And it's that's all right. really, really, really new to us. Like, seriously, within the last 100 mm-hmm. or 200 years, all of these yeah. processed foods have come out. Um, mm-hmm. And if I ask anybody that I'm working with, um, that's like 40 or 50, I'll ask them, what did their parents cook in uh, 100 years ago? And what are they cooking now? And almost always the answer is, oh, they made uh, fresh potatoes with lard and we always had meat on the dinner table. Yeah. Uh, and mm-hmm. I'm like, what? so what's changed now? And they're like, oh, yeah. we, we Uber Eats now. So you don't even know what's in there. You know, they just Uber Eats or we, we DoorDash from the grocery store. We just DoorDash. That's it. right. It's different yeah. or, or the potatoes come out of a box in a lot of cases and, you know, cause it looks like potatoes after it's cooked, once it absorbs water, it looks like potatoes. So that must be good, but it's not, it's not good yeah. at all. Make, yeah. if you want the potatoes, make a fresh natural potato, put lots of butter and salt on it and enjoy it and have it once a week. If you can't give up your potatoes. I mean, I hear people all the time say, oh, I could never do that. I could never give up my donuts or I could never do that. I could, oh my God. You know, I I'm could here, never I'm get up, my, you know, I'm here with rice. I think rice is yes. like a big one. Uh, rice and potatoes. Uh, this is people, especially people in my gym that or the trainers that have eaten rice and potatoes, their carbohydrate source for years yeah. and years and years. And they're like, no, I can never give that up. I could never do it. And, and another big one is coffee. Uh, coffee soup. Yes. People are like, I just can't go without my coffee. I'll do carnivore, but I can't do the coffee. Yeah. And that stuff keeps you addicted. If you say, if you say that you can't go without something you don't need, you got an addiction that you have right. some sort of addiction. It could be a really small one, but you still mm-hmm. have one. You got to face that. Yep. You got to face those facts. That's right. Because yeah, that's right. When people, when people say, I can't, I can never do that. Cause I couldn't give up, you know, whatever. And I'm, I'm just like, I say, just get out of your own way. You're in your own way. I mean, if you, if your body had it its way, your body wouldn't want that stuff anyway. Same, same thing with working out too, is I get a lot of my clients that I'm like, why don't you train with me four or five times a week? I train six days a week and I feel amazing. They're like, oh, I just, I just can never do that. I don't have time. Uh, you have to make the time. And especially making the time to eat correctly, it's not that hard. I mean, today, That's right. let's see, today I, I had two meals. Uh, um, I actually am having my second meal soon, but I had my first meal earlier. It was 12 eggs and with some rotisserie chicken. Um, and the second meal is going to be probably a pound and a half of grass-fed uh, ground beef and a few organs. And that's going to take me, let me see, probably 20 minutes in total to cook and eat both meals. I eat pretty fast. That's right. 
Um, so if you don't have that time throughout the day, make it same way you're making time to go to the gym and work out. This is actually more important than that. Yeah, um, that's so what I was gonna say. More important. You have to understand uh, what what to prioritize in their in their life and stop getting distracted by work, by artificial dopamine, by all of it, all of it. Um, I want to know actually what you eat in a day. What does your day of eating look like? And has it changed much since you started? Yeah, it's changed a lot because in the beginning I was eating two hamburger patties three or four times a week. And that was all I was eating. So don't do that. If you're listening yeah. and you're getting ready to start on a board, don't do what I did. Take it from me. That was not the best way to do it and for my body to adapt. Um, so now I eat, typically I'll have maybe two whole eggs with four egg yolks cooked uh, over easy with a little bit of cheese on them. And I'll have that with either sausage or bacon or a new thing that I ordered from my butcher last week that I'm in love with is beef sausage. So he seasons the oh, ground beef is so good. He seasons the, um, the beef the same way he seasons the pork. It was wonderful. I think I actually like it a little bit better than I like pork sausage. It was really good. So I've been eating some of that. Um, and then for lunch, maybe I'll have a hamburger patty with some cheese on it, maybe two if I'm hungry enough. And then if I'm eating a third meal and sometimes I don't, sometimes I actually don't eat breakfast. Just kind of depends on how my day is going and if I work out that morning and if I'm busy. Um, but usually my last meal of the day, whether depending on whether or not I eat two or three, but typically it's 3.30, 4 o'clock. We get really busy in the evenings with our kids' sports and things like that most days of the week. And I don't like to eat late because then I don't sleep well. So I'll go ahead and have a steak or, you know, some more hamburger patties or something. Um, usually at least once a day, I have a handful of chicken wings, six or seven or eight chicken wings along with my beef or something like that. So that's probably mostly what I eat is ground beef, steak, chicken wings, and eggs. I do yeah. like to whip up some heavy cream and keep it in the refrigerator in a bowl and have a little bit of, you know, whipped cream as a snack sometimes. Sometimes I'll have a piece of cheese, not very often though. Um, but that's about basically what I eat. It's not, it's not really varied. I know it sounds boring, but it's also delicious. It doesn't matter. A yeah. lot of times I'll make, you know, pork ribs and keep them in the fridge for a week and we'll just eat some of that. So, um, but a typical day for me is either two or three meals of beef and or some chicken wings. And, and you'll, ne you'll notice uh, you get these cravings throughout a few week period that you just like never thought you would have. And it's never sugar. Mm -hmm. Like for example, like for the last few weeks, I've been having chicken or chicken wings like every single day. And a few months ago, I never wanted the taste of chicken. I just only wanted beef. And then yeah. a few months before that, I was like in a bacon craze and I would do bacon like yeah. way more often. Um, and funny. The, the funny thing all about, about all of this is all the foods I'm craving were one, either high fat, two, either high protein. And also they just didn't have any sugar. And it wasn't right. because I was carnivore. These are just the foods that I naturally instinctly crave. Yeah. I like, I was shopping the other day and I bought like three giant bags of shrimp because I just really wanted some shrimp. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I, I, like the other day too, I bought a bunch of bacon just because I, just because I really, inside, I really wanted it. And yeah. um, I never have these sort of cravings for food that's not real anymore. Um, yeah. So definitely Same. to take into account, there's no perfect eat in a day. You don't have to eat exactly like me. You don't have to eat exactly like her. In fact, I wouldn't do it because everyone's so different and all our metabolic rates are so different. But sort yeah. of what what is a uh, a way somebody can track progress? I like to I don't like to count calories. I like to look in the mirror and uh, see how I'm feeling uh, intuitively uh, in my mind because the the bottom line is if you do carnivore for a long term period, you're not going to get fat. You might gain some weight to start, but you're going to eventually lose that weight um, as your body gets more satiated over over a long long period of time. It could take a long time, um, but you're not going to get fat. That's why I don't bother with the tracking. You could be under eating as well. And in that regard, I just tell people to start adding more dairy, whether that be more butter, uh, if you could find more raw cheese at it, if you could have raw milk at it. Um, and I also tell people to add more just fats as well. Um, your method is tracking. I know a lot of what you use sometimes is tracking. What are some other methods uh, besides the scale? Because I really don't like the scale. and I, I don't think you do either. No, I don't really, but I do think it's a way to measure. It's a way to track your progress. And so I don't agree with the advice, throw away your scale when you start. I don't think that's fair, especially for somebody like me who comes from, I mean, on one hand, I get it. Wouldn't that be great? Then I would have this freedom, but how would I have known? I mean, obviously I would have known I was getting bigger. My clothing size was going up when I was gaining weight, but although I, I wish that I didn't care what I weighed, I did care because that's what helped me know there was something wrong. So I feel like you can't tweak it if you don't track it. So obviously looking in the mirror, the way your clothes fit, the way you feel is huge. 
but, and even if I hadn't had a scale, I would have known that I was gaining weight, but the scale helped me to know how often it was going up. And then like on some days I would eat a little bit more and the scale would go down. I wouldn't have known that eating more was fixing it if I wasn't weighing myself. What about, I don't really, how about a, a tape measure or like a measuring tool um, that you can use? Yeah, sure. Yeah, you could do that. I mean, but you're not going to probably notice a difference overnight. Like I eventually noticed a difference when I was eating more and I would eat more for like two days and the scale would go down two pounds. And then I would be like, oh, wait, maybe I'm not eating enough. Even though I knew that I wasn't eating enough. I knew that in the back of my mind, yeah. it was just so hard to make myself eat more, but you're not going to notice it as quickly with a, with a measuring tape as you are on the scale. So I don't really agree with throwing out the scale. I don't really agree with not weighing yourself. I think if you're not obsessed with it, weigh yourself once a week. Um, I weighed every day, which was very frustrating. And then for a while, I was just so overwhelmed with how much weight I was gaining. I didn't weigh for a while because I just told myself I'm doing everything I can possibly do. I have to just keep doing it regardless of what scale says. So I was able to not weigh every day, yeah. but, um, but I do think the scale is a decent measure. If you're not obsessed with it, I don't really like counting calories, but I feel like for people like me who come into this from so much restriction and not knowing how much to eat and not knowing when you're hungry and not knowing when you're full, there is something to be said for having that way to measure. And I know a calorie isn't always a calorie and calories are different. And you know, the same piece of meat that, you know, that even weighs the same might have more calories in it because of the fat. I get that. But I also think, again, it's a way to measure. I don't think you should, I don't think you should count calories as a way to restrict on carnivore, but as a way to make sure you're eating enough. I think for a lot of people, it's important women in particular. How about counting fat instead of counting calories? Yeah, uh, you could count fat I, instead of calories. I like that way of doing it a lot better. It's not still not something I would recommend, but something as an alternative to people who are obsessed with counting calories, counting your fat, you're almost counting the energy that you have and the energy you need. I don't mm -hmm. like to consider a calories energy because we don't get energy from protein, um, which is probably my biggest argument against calories in, calories out is Protein is not providing us energy. So you can't call calories energy. The human body is an open system. And a lot right. of people think that we just run on thermodynamics and that's it. Calories in, calories mm -hmm. out. But unfortunately, if you compare a hundred calorie sample of Haagen-Dazs to a hundred calorie sample of like some cod or a piece of steak, yeah. like your body is going to actually use them efficiently. It's going to affect your calories out and you'll never know yeah. how much. You'll never know. Mm -hmm. You just won't that's know. That's right. Uh, there's, there's no way to figure it out. There's nothing mm -hmm. known to figure it out, but you don't need to, as long as you have yeah. some sort of a species appropriate diet for a human being, you won't need to. And that's, right. that's the whole thing. I would rather, way rather have people tweak things like adding the dairy or dropping a little bit of dairy, or maybe lowering the added fat a little bit to lean out, or maybe switching from 80, 20 to 85, 15 to lean out and just doing yeah. really subtle changes um, mm -hmm. instead of being obsessed with a number, because a lot of people that come into this way of eating have been obsessed for with a number for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, I actually think that there's the majority of people are either obsessed with the calories, the scale or both. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. so I, I agree. I think a tape measure is the best way to do it. And the mirror are the best ways to do it. And just how you feel. If you feel sluggish, you could either be getting too much fat or not enough fat. Make a judgment call. Are you mm -hmm. not putting any butter in the nonstick pan? Because you're probably not getting enough fat. That's uh, right. Are you adding a stick or two of butter a day to everything? Because you read that you should add a stick of butter a day and that's it. And, you know, and mm -hmm. adding fatty meat on top of that and you feel sluggish and tired, you might be adding too much fat. Make a judgment yeah. call and go weeks and weeks and weeks and slowly add or decrease based on how you feel. Um, I think I've talked about with this with you as well is your stools, your stools will tell you, actually, mm -hmm. they will let you know how much fat you've had. If you have That's a right. really loose or runny stool, too much, you've added too, too much. much. Um, mm -hmm. And because your body has to excrete it because it's not using it. That's so right. It's going to excrete, excrete the fat and it's gonna store some um, because right. you're not using it as energy. If it's super um, tight and the, the stool is like super together and um, you know not loose, the opposite, the issue, uh, like constipation. You need more fat. You need more fat. You need to add more yeah. fat. And that's either switching to fattier beef. It's switching, uh, adding more butter. You can add in a little bit of dairy and see how it goes. Although it depends on the person. Again, with the dairy, it's so tricky. Um, or you can add some tallow like I like to do, which a lot of right. people are, are most the best with. Um, I make my own tallow at this point now. Um, and it's pretty easy and pretty cheap. Um, yeah. 
So those are ways to experiment with it to know exactly how much fat you're getting on carnivore. And everyone's so different. Um, speaking of fats and what to do on carnivore, a lot of people, like you said, get bored. They might think that you get bored of eating. Me personally, I don't get bored. I can eat steak, yeah. uh, eat eggs every morning. I can eat steak every night and be totally satisfied and super happy um, because I just feel amazing and nothing yeah. better than the way I feel. For some people that want to change it up, um, what are some of your favorite carnivore recipes that you've made um, throughout the last few months? What are some new things that you've tried? Uh, just to share um, with you. Yeah, so these are more complicated than I typically am on a normal week. Like I said, we've already talked about what you know a normal day of eating might look like for me. It takes 20, 30 minutes tops to make any of the things that I make on a daily yeah. basis. But every now and then it's nice to have something different. So um, the carnivore biscuits and gravy is one of my favorites. The biscuits are made with uh, crushed up pork rinds and some eggs and you fry them and they are absolutely delicious with a gravy made from heavy cream and cream cheese with, you know, some ground up sausage in it. I mean, it is wonderful. Tastes just like biscuits and gravy. And I've never been a huge biscuit fan, but these are really good. Um, so that's probably my favorite. And then pizza. I like to make pizza a lot. So pizza with a meat base. How do you make, um, pizza? And How do you make the crust and the, the flour part? Um, I use uh, sausage for that. I just unroll a, um, you know, just a tube of breakfast sausage and, oh, okay. and push it out on the bottom of the pan. I've used beef, ground beef also. I just don't like it as much. Um, so I'll bake the sausage first and then I don't use sauce. So I will put um, some ricotta cheese on it and make it like a white pizza. I'll put ricotta cheese and mozzarella cheese. And then I'll use bacon bits, maybe a little bit of ground beef on top and some pepperoni. And that's my favorite way to eat pizza now. Have you, uh, have you heard of my carnivore ice cream? Um, I'm not sure, but I make carnivore ice cream. I don't know if it's the same as yours. My my recipe uh, is, um, I don't know exactly the measurement. I have it written down, but I think it's a pint of um, of raw heavy cream um, mm -hmm. or, or pasteurized heavy cream. I prefer the raw. Um, yeah. Then egg yolks. You can add as many as you want. Yep. I, I add like uh -huh. five or six. Uh, yep. And then you can add a little bit of vanilla extract. You can, you can add, uh, I add sea salt to mine. And... Mm -hmm. um, that's it and then and yeah, then blend. so good blend uh blend yep. and then pour it into these mason jars and you'll see mm -hmm. almost the, the fat from the heavy cream will like yeah. separate almost yeah. but it's like delicious it's amazing and if you're yeah. more ancestral too you can get really crazy you can add stuff like cocoa powder you could add stuff yep. like uh like berries and strawberries and mix mm -hmm. it in there yes uh, and you can get a really really low carb uh ice cream almost like a keto bore kind of ice cream yeah well. What, what yeah. is your, same thing, same sort of thing? Um, yeah, same thing. I do the same thing. Sometimes I put some butter in it um, and I'll use my uh, Nutribullet to blend up the butter into the liquid. I'll melt the butter, you know, and then blend it up into the liquid so that it just makes it like a, almost like a butter pecan flavor, but without the pecans. Ooh, good. And then, yeah. And then around Thanksgiving, I put like a little bit of pumpkin pie spice in it, you know, just the seasoning. Um, but typically I just like it plain like that. And I bought a KitchenAid ice cream maker attachment that I, mean, I use to go with my KitchenAid mixer. And, you know, so it's the same texture as ice cream. I love, I put it in popsicle molds too and eating it like a popsicle. I love it. There you go. And I think uh, mm -hmm. a lot of people coming to carnivore just have no idea what to do and no idea what to cook. Yeah. And it, it's really easy. Just go by intuition. Uh, just go yep. by intuition, what you're feeling that day. Uh, also pork mm -hmm. rind nachos, if you've ever made those. Yes, uh, so good. Rind. It's like amazing, amazing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, really good. Also, People that come into carnivore, uh, they come in here for a few reasons. I can think of a few off the top of my head. I know the most popular one is probably weight loss um, or dealing with some sort of eating disorder. What might be some other reasons why people come to carnivore um, and why people find this kind of diet? Uh, cancer. So sugar feeds cancer cells. So I would say that's a huge reason. People either want to avoid it or they already have it and they want to get better. Um, autoimmune issues, autoimmune issues are typically caused uh, in a lot of, a lot of times by inflammation and the carnivore diet is typically an anti-inflammatory diet. So it reduces so much inflammation. I have a picture on my page on Instagram. Um, of, I think it's two years apart, two different mother's days, one where I was eating very healthy. I was eating, you know, the Weight Watchers approach. I was juicing. I was eating lots of vegetables, very little fruits, very lean meats, like chicken breast. I probably hadn't had red meat in like eight months or 10 months wow. at the time. Wow. And my face is so swollen and inflamed that I look like a different person in the carnivore picture. I was actually the same weight in both of those pictures, but I look like a different person. Um, and so uh, the inflammation just goes down so much when you're on the carnivore diet. There are so many reasons, eczema, psoriasis, 
migraines, um, you know, monthly issues for women, infertility. There are many, many reasons that somebody how about, might how about mental health. How about mental health? Yes, that's, that's absolutely. I get, yeah, I get absolutely. a lot of people that text me and they're like, wow, I, you, I didn't tell you this, but I had anxiety or I had depression and I'm so much better now. And I'm like, yeah, it's the way you're eating. It's actually the nourishment well, of the diet. It changes your brain chemistry. I mean, that's why I'm better. Mm-hmm. That's why I don't obsess about food anymore and don't binge anymore. It's because it fixes your brain chemistry. Totally, totally. And that's why a lot of vegans, vegetarians, people that restrict a lot of animal-based products often come mm-hmm. along with these issues. I know vegans are twice as depressed as people who mm-hmm. eat, eat and not even carnivores. I never, I yeah. actually, I don't think I've ever met a carnivore that wasn't pretty positive and uplifting and really friendly. Um, mm-hmm. And not saying all vegans are like this, but there's just a, a not scientifically a higher chance for them to yeah. have some sort of mental disorder just because of the mm-hmm. food missing out. Yeah. That's it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then a, a lot of people also, I, I, I go along with this as well. It's something that I wish I did um, before I started carnivore, but I kind of did it backwards. Do you agree with fix your health before you lose weight or should you go into carnivore as a lose weight approach, a weight loss approach? Um, I think you can do both at the same time. I mean, I think you can start carnivore and just kind of see what happens with your weight. But once you start feeling better and your other issues go away, you're going to want to stick with it. And that's going to help you lose weight. You know, so I think the two go hand in hand and I think you can do both at the same time. Yeah, I, I think so too, except that for me, it, I didn't because I came from restriction. So yeah. for me personally, I needed to fix my health before I yeah. uh, before I lost weight uh, and got leaner. Right. And I think weight loss is just a sign of insulin. Uh, overweight, being overweight is a sign of insulin. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily, um, you know, something that you you can try to do. It's just, it's just little things that add up and up and up. And yeah. so many little... Um, little tweaks you can make to your day um, right. for, your, for yeah. your health to greatly improve it instead of just coming to the diet and saying, okay, I just want to lose weight. That's all I want from this. And you'll get right. more from this. So if you're yeah. watching and you think that this way of eating is just for you to lose weight, it's not, it's for your mental yeah. health too. And that's, in my opinion, the, one of the biggest changes of this way of eating, your yeah. mental health and your energy are seriously changed um, yeah. to the point where as your gut gets used to this way of eating, you don't want that food again. And if you eat that food again, uh, if you eat stuff in the middle aisles, you feel like you ate stuff in the absolutely. middle aisles. Like you'll know yeah. right away. Right yeah, away. Absolutely. Um, one of my last questions for you, uh, getting ready to wrap it up, is what is the carnivore revolution? Now we are both a part of this for January. I wanted to talk a little mm-hmm. bit about the revolution, ask you your story, how you created it, what it is, how people can join, yeah. all of it. Yeah, so um, my partner in crime, Jess and I, I started the Carnival Revolution back in the spring, and we do cooking videos on YouTube. You can find us on the YouTube channel there. We also have an Instagram page. And we decided we wanted to kind of bring other people into, we feel like we really need a revolution here. We're trying to inspire dramatic change. That's the actual definition of a revolution. So we wanted to bring some other people in to help us with this revolution. And so we invited you and several other people to come and help us with this, with our coaching sessions. We've created a mighty network that is just getting started that people can join. You can find the links. We'll put the links in our bios. As when, and, as when this podcast comes out, it will probably, the mighty network will be out already for a month. So you should be able to see everything on the Mighty Network. Yeah. Uh, can you explain yeah. what a Mighty Network is? Yeah, so a Mighty Network, it works, I hate to say it works a little bit like Facebook, but without um, people uh, regulating everything. Not that there's a lot to regulate you know, with us necessarily, but at least we don't have to worry about that. But it works kind of like Facebook. And when you go into the free version of the Mighty Network, there are going to be recipes and testimonials and success stories. You can click on those and read all of that. The recipes will all be hashtagged with what the ingredients are and what it's called. So it'll be easy to find the recipes. And then also there's a she shed section for women. So if you want, women want to talk about something they don't, you know, really feel comfortable talking about in front of men. And then there's a man cave where the men can talk about things they may not feel comfortable talking about in front of women. Then there's the January challenge. Um, There will be a fee for the January and February and March, you know, every month there'll be a fee for that challenge where we'll have four zoom calls every week with coaches from all over the world. So the times will all be different. And hopefully, you know, you'll be able to come to some of those calls because they'll be from all over the world. We have uh, somebody in Japan, somebody in Sweden, somebody in 
Astoria. I mean, we have people all over the world. So the yeah. times will work out anytime you have a problem or a question or you need help. Chances are somebody will be able to answer you because one of us will be awake for sure. And chances are more than one of us will be, will be awake. And then you'll have people in the group from all over the world that can also help answer questions. So I think it'll be a good group. I think it'll be you know, a fun place to go. There's just a feed in there, kind of like Facebook, where you post recipes, what you ate today. We also have a, a holistic section where we're going to talk about holistic healthcare and natural cleaning products and things like that. So I think it'll be really good. We're calling it the health challenge. It's not necessarily a carnivore challenge. There are three of us in the group that are pretty strict carnivores. And then there are three of us that are more um, of an ancestral type of eating. So, you know, the basic thing is for for the month, we want everybody to give up all processed foods. I mean, that if yeah. you give up processed foods, you're going to notice a huge difference in your life. And then you're going to feel like, well, what else could I give up that might make me feel even better? So that's kind of our goal is to just get everybody off of processed foods for a month. Yeah, absolutely. And please check it out. Um, I will leave links to it in the description if you're interested in joining. That is going to be the only method that you can reach me to do group coaching. That will be the only group coaching that I'll take on at that point. Um, definitely by the time this is out. If you want to do one-on-one -on -one coaching as well, you can send me a DM on Instagram or on YouTube. I will answer it all. But for group coaching, the Mighty Network and the Carnivore Revolution is somewhere that I hope to be for a long time. Um, so the other thing is, last thing really, is where can people contact you? How can they find you personally? Um, any of your other channels, your YouTube, um, your personal stuff, how can people find you? Yeah. So I'm Serena.Carnivore on Instagram and I have a Serena music account on Facebook. Um, so you can find me there as well. I try to kind of post the same things in both places though. I'm also on TikTok, Serena.Carnivore. Again, I post a lot of the same stuff. It's just a way to reach a different audience. And then I have my own YouTube channel where I just repost my Instagram lives. On Instagram, I have a series called Real Talk, R-E-E-L Talk. And I interview lots of people on there and just do real talk about things at the grocery store sometimes and things like that, kind of like your videos do. And um, I really enjoy doing it. Jess and I have the Carnivore Revolution. And this is Jess's shirt, by the way. So if you're looking for some cool, fun carnivore short shirts, she has some really great ones. She sent me this for Christmas. She's just the best partner in crime. And so her t-shirts are nutrient. They're called nudies on Instagram. And um, you can go there to find those. But um, then the YouTube channel for Carnivore Revolution, come by, see us, subscribe and watch some of our recipe videos. We also do like tips and trick videos and ways to stay on track for the holidays and the you know, top five tips for starting carnivore and things like that. So um, that's all the places you can find. Amazing. All right. Perfect. Um, just wrapping it up. It was amazing to have you on the podcast and I will see you in the carnivore revolution for sure. Yep. yep. All right. So pleasure to have you on. Take care. Thank you so much.